What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley, your host, and Adam Steele is with me. Hello. And uh, you're always you're always right on that. <laughs> There's always this delay. It's like we're on a satellite feed delay or something on CNN. <laughs> you're just shaking your head. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so today is September 1st, 2020, and this is, so it's getting, things are going to get a little probably complicated, and I haven't thought about a proper plan, but this would be, this is episode 57. Episode right. 56 was a solo episode, but also, famously, my first real video podcast. Um <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Uh, it, it took a lot to get it together, and uh, I did it. There were some fits and starts. There were some attempts that nobody ever saw, and then finally this one. Uh, and I also, but I also put it out in podcast form, so then, you know, that becomes episode 56. And now... Um, has YouTube demonetized you yet? Is the question. <laughs> They've uh, well, the FBI started gang stalking me, so <laughs> so I'm, I, 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 you know, that's the proof, right? I've, I've struck a chord. Um, well, I'm not sure if I've been demonetized, but I have definitely made no money. <laughs> It might be separate things, but we'll blame demonetization. Yeah, I feel like my view counts are getting messed with, you know? I think it's... <laughs> I should have millions. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, totally broke open... I don't remember what I talked about. My, so, uh, I, I was visiting uh, my family this weekend for my mom's 76th birthday, and my brother told me... At one point, I got so angry that I just yelled into the microphone, fuck Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. And, uh, so yeah. Over the cliff now. Right, right. But with good reason, I, I think I really <laughs> did a good job, honestly, picking it apart. So that was the main, the main thrust of it, mm-hmm. was why defund the police is not something that libertarians should be getting behind and mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. real i guess the uh the cliff notes is that they're not talking about smaller government they're just talking about moving money around to different places that's right so that's right yeah at the end but i i did i took 90 minutes and a lot of huffing and puffing to say that mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway Good. um but moving on so i i guess Also, Apple numbers the episodes when you put them on that podcast, so they sort of dominate the numbering game now. So, Mm -hmm. like, if I started numbering them differently in my words, uh, you know, if I just said 58, they would be like, no, 57, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you put in the title. They actually penalize you or something for putting episode numbers in the title. So, they've somehow... um, taken control of the whole podcast world episode numbering schemes for i'm not sure what gain but uh anyway so they love control yeah so that was a video podcast or maybe i was calling it my vlog so that was vlog episode (laughs) one 
podcast episode 56. This is podcast episode 57. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to get confusing, you know, like an like iPhone numbering or something. <laughs> so anyway, so here we are. And um, hopefully to give you a nice, organized, compact episode because I have Adam here to cure my ADD. And I, I think I'm we're going to turn it mainly over to you to okay. uh, captain the ship. I think you have a couple of topics that will, um, well, even one of the topics was supposed to be mine, but I Inform never Inform and it. delight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Inform and delight. Oh, can I, can I say one other random thing? So I know I keep talking about going back to No Hope as the title. Um, uh-huh. The only thing stopping me at this point is... And and I feel like you're you're almost at the point where you, you could even have an opinion that might weigh in, but I think you like No Hope anyway. <laughs> I feel like you've been on enough of these episodes and they're the good ones. Yeah. But uh but I, I mean I think it's almost inarguable that No Hope is the better name. I mean that mm. people just remember it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like it's something that you have that you know, five seconds where you meet somebody and, you know, they are, you know, somebody that you're trying to get, you know, this into their head with Sling in the Dark. I mean, it's cool. And I, I feel like artistically I went with it, especially the, the cover art, the artwork for it and everything. I, I really yeah. like felt the mood. Um, but I think No Hope, it just really strikes at the heart. And I think it's that's the honest, you know, honest to goodness name that, you know, came from me inside until like i got soft um but the um it's stark it's not that's, fr- it's good and people aren't gonna forget it once you say it yeah yeah and it's the truth there is no hope <laughs> uh i think i'd say there's no hope of this libertarian thing ever working out i think that's the just a fool's hope as gandalf would say yeah let's say a fool's errand as scott horton would say <laughs> Um, yeah, we could have a fool's hope. So, yeah, the the one thing you stopped me, I'm not quite sure if I can rename my YouTube channel or not, or how that mm. works. So that's the last thing I really need to to look into. But, I I mean, I named it No Hope to Whistling in the Dark with no issues from the podcast platform. So I would assume going back will be <laughs> equally easy. Um, mm. So, anyway, uh, I've, been, I've been really teasing for a while. I'm going to have to come up with some new art, artwork, but... Okay. Um, Sounds good. So anyway, so what do you you got? What do you got? Okay. All right. So you pick pick the order here. So we got three great topics here. We've (laughs) got the bonkers, insane NPR interview with the book, uh, the pro-looting book author. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's been going around. You might have heard about it already, but there's so many... This it's so choice that you know. I feel like we still have some things to add to it. Uh, in defense then, of looting, in defense, in defense of looting, yeah. yes, in defense of looting. Um, now then, there is the CDC uh, puts up pages of data from time to time. This is one that has been going around, particularly among people who are like skeptical of COVID. They like to take this one line out of it that only uh, among the the listed deaths for COVID, only six percent uh, of those it was listed as the only cause. And people from this uh, have inferred certain things that we will discuss uh, how they are misinterpreting this. Um, And then there is the third topic, something that looks like it just hit now, which is a 
Health and Human Services slash CDC order to halt all residential evictions. Whoa, um, CDC. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's there's three levels of there's two crazy topics and then one that's just like will inform you uh, and arm you with good information. So oh, which boy. one do you want to hit first? Wow. Uh, I'm between the CDC, well, all the CDC, the CDC ones, because the 6% okay. one has been going around uh, a lot, mm-hmm. but this is, whoa, sorry. Um, <laughs> CNN.com just loves to just start playing stuff. Um, but this is breaking news. Yes. Okay. We have to promise to at least do these two. The indefensive yes, looting is pretty dumb, but you know if yeah, we have time, it's dumb. So, all right, so let's do this six percent thing first okay. because uh, people are probably hearing this, uh, especially if like you kind of like maybe more conservative or you're really skeptical. This is something that's getting like retweeted out and talked about a lot. So the basic idea here is that the CDC put out a table. You have 161 uh, some odd thousand confirmed COVID deaths. Uh, probably more than that in actuality, but these are the confirmed cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they have these uh, death certificates, there is not always just a single uh, cause of death on them. And so underlying conditions and or like things that they also died of can be on these certificates. And the the one line, which is just like one part of this whole page, says for six percent only for six percent of that one hundred and sixty one thousand was it just like uh, covid nineteen and nothing else listed as the cause of death mm-hmm. and unfortunately, people have taken this and to inf- to mean only six percent of that one hundred and sixty one thousand are you know quote unquote real deaths and that the others would have happened anyway um, but I think this is a pretty uh gross uh, but understandable uh, misunderstanding of the data uh you know if a non-expert looks at this they could just see that number and think that is really meaningful and that's what it means but if you go down and look at the other causes it isn't just like uh these are like little nothing conditions for instance sixty-eight thousand of uh the people who died had influenza and pneumonia listed now you might think that these two like oh what does COVID have to do with that but the reality is if you have a severe viral respiratory infection like COVID, it is extremely common to get a severe bout of bacterial pneumonia. And this is, all, this is something that kills a lot of like older people. Mm-hmm. So the fact that someone had COVID and then also had pneumonia listed doesn't mean that the COVID wasn't the thing that really like was the thing that killed them. It just means that they had this bacterial pneumonia in addition to that base uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's totally possible that for some of those 68,000, they were elderly people who had pneumonia, were admitted to the hospital normally, received a COVID test then, and it was like incidental to the pneumonia. The data isn't broken down enough for you to make a determination of how much of those is one versus the other. But the page alone doesn't let you just say, like, those 68,000 out of the 61,000 don't count. You just you can't draw that conclusion from it. Yeah. Um, so there they, are, go yeah, ahead. There's, but br- when I breezed through really quickly mm-hmm. o- over the, um, paper or, or whatever, I don't know what you mm-hmm. call this thing, this document, um, web document, they, yeah, I, I just kind of quickly went to those tables and looked at the, you know, 
um, the other comorbidities or whatever. And yes, they all then that's most, what we're talking about. Mostly seemed, mostly seemed reasonable right. to go along with, you know, uh, COVID-19. So I, I wasn't, but, but right. I, I really didn't look into it enough. So I was, I was glad that you had read it more. I was hoping. And, and, you know, for some of these, like, they are seemingly unrelated. And, and those don't really count against you. So if a person has just general, like, hypertension or or, di- or diabetes, mm-hmm. like, these are things that can make a serious illness worse or cause death. But it wouldn't be right to say that a person who had high blood pressure got COVID and died, died because of the high blood pressure. It was a contributing factor, sure. Right. But that's the case for a ton of other things that they could have died of, like cancer, you know? If you're overweight, if you're obese, if you have diabetes, like, these are things that are going to make it harder to recover from serious illness. But it doesn't mean that that's, COVID wasn't responsible for a lot of those deaths. Right. Um, yeah. Now, to throw a bone, there are a few on here, which is like, there are 5,000 deaths which are labeled as intentional and unintentional injury, poisoning, and other adverse events. So the way a lot of states count it is if you had a positive COVID death uh, test within some states, it's like 30, some states it's like 60 days, and then you die, you're listed as a COVID death Mm -hmm. because they have to do it some way. So, you know, there could be a thousand people here that maybe died in car accidents or fall in the tub or something like that, which happens every year. And they happen to be you know, among those people who happen to get COVID and maybe we're fine from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably a few thousand here for which you could really argue that was the case. But a lot of these other ones, like they're either stuff that's like mo- semi-minor or unrelated or things that you would expect with a major viral illness. So if a friend sends you this comorbidity thing and they want to say it's only 6% are real, like tap the brakes on that. It's yeah. just not a yeah. reasonable way to interpret this data. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm. I was looking through. They there's a, a section about the excess deaths, and then mm-hmm. when you go over and look at the chart, I'm not totally sure what. I mean, it's pretty striking. They they definitely do a good job of of making this chart pretty obvious that once you hit this uh, the area, you know. Um, once you hit the end of March, it starts to way get right. out of out of anything they've seen in the last few years, at least. And yes. and these are and then they have these sort of red stars indicating actual counts that broke out mm-hmm. of their threshold. So I guess they they try to model um, the like a a band or you know a threshold for the number of deaths and. You know, the last time we've seen this was the beginning of, or it was in January, end of December, January um, 2018. There was a little bit of an increased, you know, uh, out, out of bounds. But this is, you know, way, way beyond that. This is, right. I don't, now, I don't the, the, know. There, there is a reasonable thing you could say, which is, insofar as the COVID deaths are so heavily skewed to people who are very old, um, it is possible that those excess deaths, a lot of them are pulling deaths that would have occurred maybe only within a few months or a year forward. Mm -hmm. So if you look at excess deaths over like the next uh, 12 months, and this is, it could be negative. And if it stays substantially negative for like several months, then that would lend credibility to that hypothesis. But for right now, that's, that's, you can't be sure of that. And it's just a hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I guess there's little doubt that, you know, the lion's share of these deaths are older people. Um, it seems almost guaranteed, right? I mean, it may not be within the, I mean, maybe specifying the time to six to 12 months is, you know, okay, it could be off. But at some point, I mean, these people were right, going it, it, to die relatively soon, you know, whether it be in the next X years or something. But for the, for the, you know, very aged, the, the 75 plus, that's definitely the case. But if it took an average of, say, four years off of the folks above 65, then that would be uh, not very visible on that excess graph. It would be buried in the noise. Yeah. But if it really was the case where this is like, COVID is pulling deaths forward, like, substantially, which, like, it is definitely, like, a credible hypothesis, then, yes, you would see this negative. And that's why I gave that few months estimate, because mm -hmm. looking at more than a year, uh, this number, unless we see a lot more deaths coming up, is going to be buried in the noise. So you wouldn't be able to show it just with excess deaths. Yeah. Cool. Because All there's right. a lot of year-to-year -year variation. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, I guess that's... That's, That's it for that. Yeah, what, yeah, it's kind of what I what I thought was the situation, um, and yeah, it makes you. It just kind of makes you bummed when you see your your sort of people being uh, yep. being really dumb and just sharing stuff and just trying to get it. I mean, I realize that they don't get a lot of wins, so when they get something <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, look at this. But I know. Yeah. And that's why I argue with people so much because if I, I can't stand when someone who's, you know, quote unquote, like halfway right, but yeah. like is yeah. kind of on my side is yeah. just wrong. Like I have to step in there yeah. and they don't like it. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, that's actually kind of what they come at to some extent. With Dave Smith, they're like, well, you know, you should just say be positive and, you know, whatever. And it's yeah. like, well, doesn't that just make us like, democrats or republicans then like isn't that yep but the issue is they don't ever push back on their own candidates um you know i Good had point. i had one thought before we go to the uh cdc taking over the housing market um about i had this um kind of morbid or dark thought about COVID-19. So best case scenario is this is the second wave. It's going away and it'll never come back. Right. Like what didn't, uh, was that swine flu that, that we know yes. we aren't really sure why it didn't come back, but it didn't come back. Exactly. So it went away. Yeah. It went <laughs> away. All you can say. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's, unless it's on some very, very weird long cycle of incubation. Um, so I, you know, that would, I would say that's the best case scenario that we just don't wind up seeing this come back. Is there a possibility that this, I mean, uh, in your mind that, that, that the COVID-19 is more akin to the common cold than the flu? Um, I mean, I know that the flu keeps you know, keeps coming back and stuff. And maybe they don't try to develop vaccinations for the common cold because it's just not serious enough. But in this, but, you no, know, they tried it's, it. They're, they're mostly coronaviruses. And like we discussed yeah. on one of our first joint podcasts, these are extremely difficult to develop vaccines right. for. So, so upper that's respiratory kind of the point. infections are just hard to do. Yeah. So, you know, what do you, have you heard anybody talk about that? Like what, what if this just, 
looks more like the common cold. Now, they're, you, like you said, it, they're mostly coronavirus. There are other types of the cold, yeah. but, you know, the, sure. uh, the, the coronavirus aspect of this, I mean, is it just going to keep, you know, what are, what are the chances that it just keeps mutating and, and it's just here to stay forever, like the common cold? It's, it's possible. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw one paper about look, trying to look at like what the rate of mutations was, but I didn't get a chance to really dig into it. And I don't know that I have enough, um, enough expertise in an area to like critically evaluate any yeah, specific yeah. claim. But I haven't seen anything that makes like the strong claim yet that that is what we're going to see. Like no one's saying that yet. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, so what you're saying is totally possible. Uh, it's a wait and see, um, if it was mutating very quickly and just like non-seasonal, just like going everywhere all the time and mutating and coming back kind of like the cold does, we would probably see more uh, people getting reinfected by now, given mm-hmm. the number of people who have caught it. Um, that's yeah, it is probably, pretty crazy. Though. True. It is pretty crazy just to think that we are just waiting around for something like that to happen you know it doesn't even need to be that crazy right covid 19 is not that bad but right if it never goes away <laughs> it's i know really bad you know i mean i guess we just wouldn't have any old people left you know uh, i mean think like yeah you would just I, our, our life expectancy I think that would we'll, drop oh sorry. I think that we would develop the vaccine if it yeah. becomes that important. It's just a matter of time, I think, and that's where I think that the people are being a little too optimistic yeah. with how quickly they can get get it, uh, show it, and show efficacy and all of that. Um, yeah. I, I think that we could figure it out eventually if we needed to. I, even with the vaccine, I mean, if it if it mutates that quickly, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, anyway. It's a, it's a, it's a bumsky of a thought. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, no one can tell you that it's impossible. We'll have to wait and see at this point. Yeah. I'm surprised that you don't hear that pushed more by, you know, CNN and shit just to like freak everybody out. Cause he's here forever. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, I have heard it, but I think that they're pretty invested in saying we need to lock down until you know, we get this vaccine and it's right around yeah. the corner as well. So yeah, it kind of is, cuts against that narrative. Yeah, that is actually, that, that's an interesting thought because if that was the case, if you knew that, I mean, this thing's here to stay, Yeah, you know, even with vaccines, it mutates so much that it, it's still always going to be around, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just switches to, well, we have to figure, figure out how to live with this i mean we, we, exactly. we can't stay locked down forever so now it's like is the world just completely changed forever more people are just mask wearing glove wearing you know like wow that's yeah. weird it would be weird yeah. uh but i think that we're very good at adapting to whatever is the new normal yeah. and get used to it yeah so all right well moving on let's hear what the cdc mm-hmm. has to say about evictions so I just saw this before we were going to start, and it just—it's so crazy. And I keep looking for the way in which I'm misreading it, or that it isn't what it says. But this is uh, something that was just pushed to the Federal Register, which is just like these are so. There's parts of the executive branch, and they can basically issue orders, which have like basically the force of law. 
Um, they claim some authority from some bill that passed, in, you know, in the past, and they say, oh, we have the authority to do this. And so here is the summary. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, located within the Department of Health and Human Services, announces the issuance of an order under Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act to temporarily halt residential evictions to prevent the further spread of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So this document says you can't evict someone. Like, you don't own your property, and you cannot evict someone, and that and we can discuss this but like there's the part a that's crazy it's just like taking everyone's property from them essentially and b the connection between halting evictions and having a, any substantial effect on the number of covid cases is like extremely like uh, it, there's no reason to think that there's a significant connection between those two things mm -hmm. So, I mean, what's what, what's what's the theory here is you evict someone and then what? Like they don't find somewhere else to live or finding somewhere else to live makes it how much more likely that they're going to get COVID or what? They're living on the streets and that makes you get it more? And what What's the logic here? I can read here. It looks like um, here's a quote that. The, I, it looks like they're trying to do the justification here. As for why the move is being made by the CDC, an official says the CDC director has the authority to take measures when he's reasonably, when he's reasonably necessary. I don't know when it's. I would assume it's supposed mm -hmm. to say when it's reasonably necessary to mitigate the spread of communicable disease. So yes, it is. It is about that. I I didn't even I didn't even think that they would be trying to make that. I, but anyway, so that is what they're saying. Yeah. but it's just like but what, here's the, what does one have to do with the other? So I don't see any data in this yet. Like this is just the order, sure, but yeah. like it, this has got to be challenged in court, like ASAP, and be like, where is the data showing a person gets evicted and then there is X more percent they get COVID? Yeah, there's no way they're ever going to show that. So here's the. But they are quote. definitely taking and people. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a few sentences, so you know it's a little long. But and I think yeah. the meat of it is, is towards the end. But I, I'm sort of in, interested in how how they even got <laughs> this power. But Congress has delegated broad authority to the HHS, the Surgeon General, and the CDC to take reasonable efforts to combat the spread of communicable diseases. And frankly, I think it makes sense for those. I got to see who this person is. I think it makes sense for those authorities abroad. Because we don't know for any given situation or scenario what steps will be needed to stop the spread. So they are just like absolute dictators. Yeah. <laughs> and an administration official said, so not even no, no specific person. Yeah. I think in this particular order, the CDC has made a very compelling case that is quite problematic at this particular time. It's focused on this particular pandemic, which is obviously the uniquely powerful grasp in the nation's entire history in terms of the effect it's had and that for a bunch of reasons in particular that the home has been sort of the focal point of people social distancing and building sort of safe space the Jesus, this is so badly written. It's, there's so many mistakes. Safe spaces for themselves over the past few months. And also the fact that if people get kicked out, they may end up in overcrowded, congregated living facilities or homeless shelters. And that is a potential recipe for a big spread of COVID-19. So that's because they're going to go right into homeless shelters. Right. This is crazy. So this 
the so in the document they say this is just direct directly from them evicted renters must move which leads to multiple outcomes that increase the risk of covid-19 spread no quantification specifically <laughs> many evicted many evicted renters move into close quarters in shared housing or other congregate settings according to the census bureau american housing survey 32% of renters reported they would move in with family or friends upon eviction <laughs> <laughs> what? So what's wrong with that? Right. Which would introduce new household members and potentially increase household crowding. Uh, are we claiming that like s people are substantially limiting spread like within their own homes as it is, but right. that the increased crowding with, within a home of like between, you know, three people to eight people would be a significant driver of spread. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, no. And, and I mean, I I, do, I think that there's been some pretty solid evidence <laughs> to the contrary that right. anybody's separating anything at home. You know, there's it's no just there's like, no data here on what fraction of people would move into like homeless shelters, and I I mean I still have to go through the, this entire thing, but I don't see anything that says like. X percent of people go into homeless shelters probably because they don't have that data or what right. that would be risk would be. Yeah, and I mean. Uh, obviously, the reason that it's troublesome is because now this uh, landlord, where do they get money to pay their mortgage and their taxes and their uh, homeowner's right. insurance? So There's no moratorium on, yeah, your homeowner's, uh, your, your taxes, your property taxes, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> if there is, where, you know, okay. Where's the so state going to get that money? Yeah. So now what do the banks do because they're not collecting mortgage payments and what do the insurance companies do because they're not collecting insurance and then if you make a moratorium on that yeah i mean eventually where does it go the fed just prints it up <laughs> and or they you know tax it i mean it's just that we, yeah. we you know kick the can down the road and they think it's just this infinite well but if you don't stop you know, I mean, if you stop at any point in that chain, then you're, you're ba like, if you stop here, essentially what you're saying is banks are going to start seizing properties. You know, all yeah. rental properties are going to start to be swallowed up and you're going right. to have another big, you know, consolidation of wealth in the real estate market. This is just because if, if any, whoever is renting right now, Basically, they're saying if you pay your rent, you're a sucker. Yeah. Right? Because you don't need to. Right. There's and no, aren't there, they giving everybody no like $2,000 or whatever a month? What's their check? Like, yeah, <laughs> that was the thing we discussed last week. That was a bill, fortunately, that went nowhere, but it was bonkers insane. Yeah, $2,000 well, a month per person. I'm saying everybody that's on unemployment, though, is getting extra money right now. Yes, and they get... Uh, Yes. And I think it's easy to get on it, too. Like, I don't, I don't think it's as yes. quite as difficult right now as normally. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're already printing up money and giving it to basically the people that would be most likely to get evicted. Get yes, unemployed. that's right. Like 50 million people that they basically made go unemployed. By closing all their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I do, I have heard that argument for sure that it's, you know, if you're, uh, I mean, you're not for the government sort of 
giving handouts, but it's like, geez, I mean, if you sort of force these people out of work, it does seem right. kind of like you owe them or something. Well, but, yeah, hmm. I mean, unemployment insurance is like among the least objectionable. It's going to someone who has actually experienced this strong drop in income. Mm-hmm. You know, at least there's that. It doesn't just go to everyone like this other stuff we're talk- we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is just like... If you thought you owned a piece of property, like you were wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that didn't you have a have a what are your podcasts on on a Lodial Yeah, Lodial titles. Lodial's <laughs> a long time ago. That was from Bat and Eric, man. That was that was many moons ago. We went to uh Bat uh Bat and Eric, who was before yes, that that's time, right. the libertarian was a libertarian presidential candidate. He he um he gets some blame for the turnover to this sort of left libertarian stuff that's going on because mm. he was so ineffective at convincing anybody. He was just <laughs> so crazy and like extreme and angry and like. <laughs> But yeah, he uh, he talked about you know getting lodial titles and getting the real title to your car, and if you can, you should probably pay for it in gold and silver because even that's problematic if you're using you know U.S. dollars. <laughs> Do you really own those? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, he wasn't really is- wrong about anything. He was just he was just intense. He was just like yeah. so extreme. But yeah, so this is I, just, a like, I don't even example. know what to say about this. I could just say like millions and millions of Americans right now have signed a contract with another person. The contract says you give me this amount of money each month and you get to live in this place. And like, I won't evict you until the end of the term or if you violate some clause of this contract. And yeah. the government's just like, no, we're just going to strike out the part of that where you pay and we're going to leave all the rest of it. Yeah. And- at a stroke. On top of it, it's at a period of time where the cases in the U.S., you know, the deaths in the U.S. have been on decline for, for, you know, slow. I mean, granted, it's a slow decline. I'm not not saying that, you know, we're really, uh, you know, seeing it just trail off to nothing. But it's been more than a month since they were at the peak. Or just yes. basically a month. I, I want to say, like August first was really, um, or July thirtieth was the the peak. Uh, so it's been a little more than a month. You know, we're, past. we're we're near we're near our lows for positivity rate, and the number of even the number of cases has come down a lot from the peak. So there was basically this first region, New York uh, area, New Jersey, Connecticut, that got hit really hard. They declined. Then the second, this you could call it a second wave, but you could call it a first wave in these sort of more southern states. It went up. Now that's come down a lot. There doesn't appear to be a new area that's coming up to take up the slack. So daily deaths are down off their peak, and daily cases are down substantially. Uh, hospitalizations across the country are way down from their peak. They're about half of the peak value. So there is reason to believe that we are on the tail end of something here. Mm-hmm. So. It's even less justified than it would have been, say, four or five weeks ago or when New York was getting hit really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just so crazy to me that some small number of people, like, they're not part of the legislature. It's like, this didn't come out of Congress. This was just, like, some people in an executive branch agency decided that no rent needs to be paid 
here on out yeah. until at least until at least the end of the year. Yeah, it's wild. It is. Uh... Oh my god! I mean, it's like the crazy. It, it's up there as the the like craziest single move by the government besides uh, in, in in a long time since like. I don't know, attacking Iraq or something. <laughs> no, I mean, people spend uh, somewhere between like 25 and like 45% of their income mm-hmm. on it, their housing. So what we're talking about here is a shift of potentially of that order of like national income from one group to another group. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, man, I can't. Believe I mean, I'm sure it's, it's put down because a lot of people will still just keep paying because that's people aren't aware, at least at first. But we're talking about a huge amount of like income, just like effectively transferred. Yeah, and also, you know, let's say they do it just the end of the year, right? Let's say the last four months. You, uh-huh. You, but. I mean, ultimately, I, I bet that this would also have that you would eventually have to pay it back, you know? So, I mean, where does that even leave you? You know, if you're if you're in a situation yeah. where a quarter of your, you know, a quarter or more of your salary is already going to rent, where, how are you going to make this up later, you know? Where are you going to get yeah. this? It, it would be, you know, if it's four right. months, it would basically be like you got to come up with a whole month's salary in – some yeah. amount of time to give to your landlord on top of just you know regular living once it starts up right so you're basically assuming like oh it, let's assume there's a person out there for whom this is good and they really don't have the money because yeah. of something something covid yeah they're gonna have to come up with it later anyway now i'll you know we're probably there's a bunch of people that are just not going to pay and are never going to pay right, here's right, a question right. for you how much like let's say that you are trying to sell a house or a multi-family piece of property right now. Mm -hmm. How much less is that property worth with this order in effect? Yeah. Because you can't affect, you can't promise that you're going to get any rent. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If people move in. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So did they just, did they just do something here that they have no idea, like the possible implications? Like they definitely don't. If you have a multifamily house, like two, like that holds like two, three or four families, Mm -hmm. this just like eviscerates the, the value of that property. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I I don't know what percentage of the housing stock is made up of Mm -hmm. sort of rental properties being sold to landlords, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, if I was, if I was on the market right now, I mean, I, you know, I was, I'd been thinking about it, um, just as I, I was almost kind of regretting cause I bought a house in November and it's kind of like, ah, oh, man, like now I could just like, go anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, work doesn't care. Nobody, you know, right. I can just, you know, but I'm sort of stuck here. So I kind of, I want to wait until I could rent this. Certainly not just going to turn around and sell it and um you know right away but yeah like what's that gonna look like uh in uh, well i mean I, you would hope that this would pass but uh, i mean go away at some point but i mean who knows i mean, it, 
You know, I mean, that's a lot. What if, what if, uh, what if we were just talking about it happens and yeah. COVID-19 is like the, the common cold. Just yeah. nobody's ever gonna have to pay rent again. Then, then it's almost like these people are living in the world of our, uh, the the final article mm. <laughs> of yeah. just everything for free. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, we're gonna come to that in a second. I want to give there. You at least have to make. Uh, you have to sign something uh, under penalty of perjury to not do this. That says uh, you have made best efforts to obtain government other government assistance. Whatever anybody can say yes to that. Best efforts. You know who knows what that means. You at least have to be making less than a hundred thousand uh, dollars. If you're filing singly, or less than two hundred thousand if you're filing jointly. So, like, it isn't just that this applies to people who are like relatively poor. This like goes up pretty high on the income yeah, uh, yeah. ladder. Uh-huh. Um, but you do at least have to attest that you are unable to pay the full rent due to a substantial loss of income, a loss of commensable work or wages, a layoff, or extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expense. So. If you do this, you can at least, in theory, get in trouble if none of those things apply. Mm-hmm. If, like, you don't actually have a loss of income and you didn't have to, uh, you don't have, we didn't lose hours of work or something like that. Yeah. Now, in, in practice, I will bet you dollars to donuts, they will go after zero people. Right for right. perjury, who, who filed that? Uh, but at least maybe that'll tap the brakes for a few people. And like what I said earlier about being a complete sucker if you don't pay your rent, like hopefully that's not true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if they're removing people that, like saying, well, if you're getting unemployment, then you're not, I guess, uh, a, 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 eligible for this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would that would I guess limit. You know, but you have more income ever. if you're on unemployment right now because of the bonus that they put out. If yeah. you're probably almost anyone within that income right, uh, range right. below 100k, yeah. yeah. So you couldn't say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, e- I mean, even if it is, but you still a- can, you still can do it. Even if you have the same amount of money, a layoff counts. So you could lose your job, be making more money from the extra unemployment, and still be able to sign this and say, yeah. "Yep, no rent." Yeah. And no matter what, no matter how they try to sort of minimize its effect, I mean, the thing with this stuff, I mean, this obviously seems crazy just at the outset, but I always think back to, you know, wasn't the first income tax 1%? Exactly. Yeah. It was very low. Yeah. And, uh, ain't 1% anymore. I mean, this, no, yeah, this certainly is intense. not. No. I used to think that um, what do they call that? Eminent domain was the was the proof that you didn't own your house. But I guess, yeah, I guess the, <laughs> this is it. Well, that's what this is. What I mean, that's what I think when I see this is like the way that you would challenge us is say like the government is taking my property without any like compensation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it take years to work through the courts. That's not going to help you. Right. Right. No. I. Yeah, it's a terrible precedent. Whew. So, so that's go. about all I have to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. There's, there's, it's all bad. And the more you read, it's <laughs> no. even worse. It, it, it's almost like the 
that that actual quote is even worse than I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I, I I thought that they were just saying, oh, because of, you know, the economic hardships, you know, we don't want people to get evicted. That is more reasonable to me than saying we don't want to evict people because it's going to spread COVID-19. That's just... They have to justify it that way because that's their mandate, right? If they don't justify it from like a a disease standpoint, they're not going to have a leg to stand on. So they put this fig leaf, which is all that it is. Yeah. Oh, boy. I can't believe someone wrote in a news article that you saw that they've made a really strong case. This is not that. (laughs) Yeah, there's a really strong case. (laughs) So, how about in defense of looting? So, we've just okay. gone through in defense of property seizure, I guess. It's really kind of the same. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, so, this has been floating around. There was uh, an NPR uh, interview with an author who wrote a book called In Defense of Looting. Um, it's about what you'd expect. Um, <laughs> Analysis <laughs> complete. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's when I use the word. So for people who, I'll just read you the first one, so you could be like, I'm not mischaracterizing. For people who haven't read your book, how do you define looting? And the author replies, when I use the word looting, I mean the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a moment of upheaval or riot. That's the thing I'm defending. I'm not. De- <laughs> I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. (laughs) So basically what you need is enough people to be doing it and then then it's okay. But I mean, that's the logic of every statist out there, right? I mean, anybody who's not a libertarian kind of believes some version of this in their heart, right? Yeah. Oh my. You get enough people together and it's okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, people, I mean, and in a weird way, it's almost like people intuitively uh, understand that. I, I mean, honestly, the, the looting I could defend is, it much better than this author yeah, could. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of appreciate that she's going right at it. Yeah. Uh, that she's not trying to hide. She's not trying to hide behind any fancy logic. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of, like, non-sequiturs that follow that quote about, you know, there being some sort of racial history to looting, which is, it's the person really needs to crack a history book because, like, yeah, looting and spoils of war is, like, that is the thing that really was what soldiers got paid in in, like, ancient times. Like, come with us, you sack the city, you get the loot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what it was, you know. Um, so to say that this is like the author wants to say that it's something derived from you know uh, racist laws in the U.S. and Jim Crow and stuff like that, and, and certainly there's the possibility that there have been times where protest was characterized uh, as as looting or rioting, but that's not really what we're talking about a lot right now, um, and the what we're seeing in the streets of some cities like Portland. Yeah. Here, here's a good one. What are some of the yeah. most common myths and tropes you hear about looting? <laughs> one, 
one of the ones that's been very powerful that's been used by both Donald Trump and the Democrats. I like why wouldn't it just be Republicans and Democrats? <laughs> has been the outside agitator myth. And they actually Maybe they're a, a never Trumper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a <laughs> they have a link. Outside agitator yeah. myth is a link, so apparently there's yeah. something else about this that goes in depth. That the people doing the riots are coming from the outside. This is a classic. This one goes back to <laughs> slavery. When plantation owners would claim that it was freedom and Yankees coming south and giving the enslaved these crazy ideas that they were real human beings and that's why they revolted. This is mm-hmm. this is awful. This is one of the this might be the worst article ever written. I, right. It's, it's I just mean, like a lot of non sequitur. Yeah. Go ahead. That, I, I mean, the worst article pretending to be a real article. Not, you know, I mean, I'm yeah. not on, you know, whatever, uh, I don't know, the Daily Stormer or something, but um, <laughs> I think that it's that. Let's make that up. Is that not? I don't know. You know what I mean? I, it's, it's, it's called something very similar to that, yeah. if that's not the exact so, thing. Yeah. But yeah, this goes back to slavery. Like what right. the outside agitator myth goes back. It it's just like such a uh I'm not sure if this is correct uh use of this term or I'm sort of twisting in a weird way, but it's almost like this myopic view that everything like everything just goes back to slavery, you know? Like that's yeah. the <laughs> that's the progenitor of our entire civilization is that period of time in the United States and nothing before matters and everything after has come from it. <laughs> the, right. the idea yeah. that somebody came from outside of a group to agitate it, I, I have a really hard time imagining that didn't happen until the 1700s in right. the United States. You know, like what? Right. The- crazy um yeah i mean that you hear that kind of stuff over and over again it is like i was just listening to this uh, dan carlin has this very famous podcast his hardcore history and he had one about uh the millennialist uprising that took over like munster in germany in the 1500s yeah and it's just like you know it's religious fighting anabaptists lutherans versus you know catholics and stuff like that it, it's really all the same stuff you know it's like Outside agitators is what it was all about, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that the outside agitator uh, idea is sort of what people are accusing the corporate media of doing, more or less. Mm -hmm. Is that they're not part of the, you know, um, the, the normal everyday working class. They're not part of the middle class or the poor. Um, so they're outside, and they are just continuously agitating through, mm-hmm. you know, just, just you know, whatever, taking one thing after another out of context and spinning some crazy narrative. But uh, it, it is interesting that the first two tropes she goes after are ones that are usually held up well, I, I do think she makes a. I do think that she's accurate that both the right and the left use this for different reasons. You know, sure. Um, the left uses it to make it seem, you know, as though uh, there's, um, you know, like the protest. And actually, it sort of kind of goes into her second trope is that the looters and the rioters are, rioters are not part of the protest. She says that's a myth. They are part of the protest, which mm-hmm. it, it's. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that she's basically saying like, no, no, this is a violent mob, like for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that part right. is a lie, but the violent mob is good. Yeah, that's right. And she does a quick turn on you there. You weren't expecting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh man, uh, like okay, and what? It's basically like a way to like. So the outside, you know, the idea that there are people who go to a community to participate in it is something that, you know, gets argued about a lot. You know, and then people who say that it's all outside people are just trying to say this is not a legitimate protest because the people who actually live here aren't really participating. And I'm sure that that's true, more or less true to different extents, like in different periods of time and in different like you know protests mm-hmm. to say that it's like always not true or always like 100 percent true is just yeah, kind of yeah. crazy like it, the place like like uh where this one most recent one had the the kennishaw uh wisconsin like that's a very small community there wouldn't have been like the level of activity and rioting in that unless people had come in from the outside and that's what the police said there that a lot of the arrests were from people who didn't live in the area and that doesn't mean that those people weren't like some of them weren't trying to like legitimately protest what they thought was an injustice. And it doesn't mean that like everybody who rioted and destroyed businesses was from outside either. Like both things can be true. Yeah. So, man, there there are an unbelievable number of gems in here. What would you say to people who are concerned about essential places like grocery stores or pharmacies being attacked in those communities? <laughs> when it comes to small business, family-owned business, <laughs> oh, yeah. or locally-owned businesses, they are no more likely to provide worker protections. They are no <laughs> more likely to have to provide good stuff for the community than big businesses. Good stuff like food. Right. I mean, the the question is about grocery stores and pharmacies. So food and medicine, like granted, big bit. But notice she she doesn't even the question doesn't even say anything about small businesses. She just answers a different question. She says it's actually a Republican myth that has over the last 20 years really crawled into even leftist discourse that the small business owner must be respected and that the small business owner creates jobs and is part of the community. But that's actually a right-wing myth. So she just wants, like, mega corporations? I mean, what? Yes. Which, you know, is, is definitely Or views them equally the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are no... I mean, it right. makes... Go ahead. Uh, just uh, right, yeah, but that's actually a right wing myth. That's pretty crazy. It's yeah. Okay, now now here's uh, the one that I like. Um, so, in the part of the question is, uh, can you talk about rioting as attack? What are reasons people deploy it as a strategy? She goes on for some things, and then also goes into. Rioting attacks the very way in which food and things are distributed. It attacks the idea of property. And it attacks the idea that in order for someone to have a roof over their head or a meal ticket, they have to work for a boss. In order to buy things that people just like them somewhere else in the world had to make under the same conditions. It points to the way in which that's unjust. <laughs> and that's and the reason the world is organized in that way, obviously, is for the profit of the people who own the stores and the factories. So you get to the heart of the property relation and demonstrate that without police and state oppression, we can have things for free. For free. <laughs> for free. <laughs> so if there was any doubt this person is like, really weird kind of communist like that puts it to bed it's you know there's it's a clear statement that like i don't believe in any private property yeah so yeah i mean all you have to do is really say that because it's like in defense of looting 
uh, looting implies that there is some private property that the public isn't, isn't entitled to. I reject this. Therefore, looting is fine. The book is one page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I really like um, what Tom Woods talks about. People, he, he, I've heard him say this a number of times. He says, um, you know, you often hear the question asked, you know, where, you know, what causes poverty? And he says, but that's not really the, you know, an interesting question. He said, poverty yes. is our natural state. He says, well, mm-hmm. you know, it, just put anybody, you know, back out into the wilderness with no technology or society or anything, and they are, you know, just in abject poverty, and they'll probably die very soon. The real question is, why do we have wealth? And that's mm-hmm. what never asked. And if you, you know, start to look into that, then you know, sort of helps guide you down to, to our into our clutches. <clears throat> exactly. Freedom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, lived in crushing poverty for thousands upon thousands of years. And some aspect of this, you could argue, is from, like, technology needing to slowly build on itself. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have the opportunity to do that until there's some surplus and yada, yada, yada. It's probably partially true. But it is also also true that it isn't just a matter of, like, the technology of things. Like, there is a social technology that has been built up in the years leading up to and since the Industrial Revolution that I think did as much as any any group of inventions did to, like, lift humanity out of the crushing poverty mm-hmm. that it came to accept in the 20,000 years prior to that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, North Korea is existing in the modern world and they're there you in go. crushing poverty. And I, I think they're going through another famine now. Uh, yes. I don't think things are very good. I mean, obviously they... They haven't been very good for a long time there, but they had gone through a really bad famine. And um, mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing is it's it's happening again. I mean, in their famines, yeah. I mean, their famines take out 10% of the population or something, or maybe even more. Um, yeah. They're really, yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. So anyway, but yeah, there's all this technology around right across the border, you know? I mean, yeah. South I mean, Korea is you, super advanced. If you, if you look at one of those, there's these great maps that show, like, North versus South Korea. And South Korea is, like, lit up mm-hmm. more bright, at least as brightly as the United States is. And North yeah. Korea is just black at night. This is like a satellite photo you see of the Korean Peninsula. Yeah. Wow. And it's... Yeah. And they both... You're exactly right. They both exist in the modern world, but... One is uh, wealthy, and the other is in grinding horrible poverty and oppression. So, yeah, I also heard that his sister might be in charge, and he might actually be dead. Kim Jong Un. Yes. Or, yeah, Un. I think. Yep, it's possible. Uh, yeah. So, but there's rumors pop up a lot. So, take yeah, it with a yeah, this is the second one recently. Um, yes. But whoever was telling me about this time, they seem to think there was more credence to this, but. I don't know. Well, we'll see. So, uh, I I guess that's it. You know, yep. we did pretty good. We stayed pretty much on topic. Covered some hot ones. You broke some news to me on air <laughs> uh, about about the CDC uh, real estate move. The craziest government order of the new century. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I'm... Certainly one that's so like brazen. I mean, I feel like they they try to do a lot of other stuff like sneaky, 
you know mm-hmm. this is just like they're like what what's it they don't even, <laughs> they don't even get what's wrong he made a really good argument for it okay <laughs> what's that argument uh, uh people might have to move in with their family <laughs> <laughs> anyway have you seen oh. that new npr article in defense of looting so <laughs> amazing <laughs> so he just turned the whole problem on its head yep. anyway so all right well that's all we got. Um, so we got uh, we got Adam V. Steele at Adam V. Steele on Twitter. That's right. Patrick J. Bradley on Twitter. Two two hot accounts. Get up, get up on them. You got uh, Whistling in the Dark on Facebook. Whistling in the Dark on YouTube, which now is becoming more relevant because there's some mm-hmm. sweet videos. There's also uh, on D Live, but I think. I am under the name Wooly Wong, so W U L I W O N G Five Power King. It's like my OG internet name. Uh, but I think I'm going to be in the next week. I'm going to make some effort to consolidate power under No Hope and see if I can okay. pull it off. Um, but yeah, D Live. You know, we're out there and. Also, I think we should make a effort to get the. We could do this live, by the way. So I I use restream. Well, I haven't you. I, I set it all up. There's something called restream. Before I was sort of manually doing my live stream through this uh, software, but now there's something called restream, which lets you broadcast to like a bunch of different sites. So we'll be on Twitch, D Live. YouTube. We could live stream the LinkedIn if we want, <laughs> which we definitely don't want to, but we could. Yes. Uh, and um, but yeah, I saw a thing in there, and I would look into it about inviting somebody into the stream. So it may be as easy as just, and I I just have like a free account um, okay. right now. So I will maybe we can give it like a test run um, sure. at some point just to see if that'll work and. You know, maybe you can can see us. You can tune in the live stream, but then I'll keep, I'll, you know, try to get then just the audio and then move that onto the podcast platforms as well. So, all right. Uh, awesome. Adios. Adios, amigos. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>